Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We're really excited to launch this podcast, Bellwethers. My name is Ruben, and this is our co- my co-host, uh, Matthews, here. And we have the prestige of having Pastor uh-huh. uh, Libin Abraham here with us. I'll give you a little bit more of an introduction of who he is. But just a background of who we are as Bellwethers, uh, we hope to empower and equip leaders in our community, specifically the South Asian community, with uh, conversations like this and resources and tools to grow your leadership. We stand on three pillars, commerce, church, and creativity. And today we have the honor of having Pastor Libin here kind of talk to us about church because I don't know if you guys don't know this, but he is the lead pastor of Bentry um, Church mm-hmm. Fellowship in Carrollton. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we have a really close relationship. I knew known Libin for such a long time. He's really good friends with my sister. Um, and uh, we've gone s- back for so long before you were even Pastor Libin. I knew you mm-hmm. as just Libin. And I look up to him as like a mentor, as a friend, and as a brother. He has an amazing family, Stacy, Liam, and Avery, mm-hmm. just one of the most beautiful families. Um, and he has been leading the church. He just um, became the lead pastor about like two, three years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago. And we get to have a conversation about how it has been for you and the transition and all the things that you have been learning, especially as me as a young leader. What does it look like to be a lead pastor of a church, especially your size, right? Mm-hmm. And another great thing, if you guys don't know this, uh, Libin is a phenomenal saxophone player. <laughs> Used to be. Okay, <laughs> that's, 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 that's new news. I don't know if you knew <laughs> I that, I never Matthew. knew that. Well. Great, great saxophone player. So maybe even at Bentry, just like Justin, Jensen Franklin, right? Oh, he yeah. plays saxophone <laughs> at his church. Maybe y'all could have like a special yeah. for him to come and play saxophone. Yeah. But we are honestly so privileged yeah. to have you here, Libin. Um, one of my favorite memories of you, and, and I tell you this all the time, and will be forever etched in my mind, is when I, whenever I came to the Right Now Media, um, I saw you preaching, uh, a crowd of like 2,000 plus, and you, you spoke right before Dr. Tony Evans. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Dr. Tony Evans, he's one of my favorite teachers, that was such a special moment for me because there was someone that looked like me that had similar backgrounds, and the fact that you were standing on that stage and you spoke with so much confidence and so much poise, it just really encouraged me to just keep going you know, as a leader. And that's my hope in what we can do today is as we have this conversation, just to encourage our audience and the people that are listening, what does it mean to be a leader in our community and what does it mean to be a lead pastor, the role that you are right at right now? So mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Libin, what are uh, some things that you're doing right now? Um, yeah. You know, how would you intro yourself and, mm-hmm. and, and just share w- what you're doing right now? That was a too kind of an introduction, <laughs> but thank you. Man, it's just an honor to be with you guys. Thank you for tuning in and jumping into this conversation. Um, so a little bit of my story is I was born and raised in South India, Kerala. My dad was a, a pastor and grew up in predominantly an Indian church, like maybe a lot of you and maybe you guys. Um, and then during seminary, I, I was I came to Houston to, to do my master's work, and I was applying at all kinds of different churches and uh, ended up working at an Ethiopian church. And so that was like my first multi-ethnic <laughs> experience. It, I was an Indian pastor at an Ethiopian church. It was funny, for the interview, I went wow. uh, not really knowing it was an Ethiopian church. So I thought they were Indian. They thought I was Ethiopian, and we were both wrong. And uh, But for three years, it was a beautiful uh, d- uh, environment of just serving a different community of people. And then in Houston, I, I served at a, a church that was super multi-ethnic, Sugar Creek uh, Baptist Church down in the southwest side of Houston. And... I uh, had over 95, 98 different uh, languages that were spoken, and uh, so a large multi-site environment, and so loved serving in that capacity for over nine, ten years, and 
And, and at Bentry, God really uprooted our family and brought us to Bentry, and, mm. um, and we felt a call to, to come. It didn't make, you know, we weren't planning to leave. We weren't looking to leave. We loved where we were. Uh, but it's been a, an amazing journey and a, a great church. We love the community that we get to serve. And, uh, and Stacey and I are, are grateful to be around family and, and friends like you guys yeah. and jump into a conversation. And I'm just so thankful for both of you uh, of just paving the way for young leaders um, who are looking for direction, equipping, training to, to be all that God has called and equipped them to be. Sometimes we let our own mind or our own lack of experience or maybe experience in negative ways um, thwart us or change the direction that God has called us to. And this is just an encouragement. It's a man, if God has called you, uh, he has accepted you. He's equipping you um, into an amazing journey. So, yeah, so we're thankful to be here in Dallas and leading uh, a church like Bentry and uh, just so thankful for what God's up to in the kingdom and, and, and really in all of you as well. Yes, so it's yes, an honor to be here. He just gave a mini sermon, right? I know. Now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that th yeah. Three minutes, he was like, yes, yeah. sermon. Just keep going, man. Just yeah. keep going. Love, love that you're here. Yeah. Um, you know, and you are down the street from us, which is like mm -hmm. crazy. And, and I love that you always are intentional about your relationships with people in the community. Um, even though you are leading this large church, which is a beautiful church, by the way. One of my favorite, like, age, like lobbies is uh, Bentry. Yeah. And despite that, you're still, like, in the community. You're mm. still intentional about relationships. And, and I'm pretty sure, like, you know, even with the time and all the things that you do, uh, finding a space to kind of do that. So mm. how important was it for you to still be intentional about relationships in, that you have in the community, especially with people in your church? Because mm -hmm. you do... What would you say, like, the average attendance would be? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, as far as membership, there's probably four or 5,000 uh, people who call Bentry home. That's such adults. Mm -hmm. And um, on a weekend, we run a little bit less than that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Bentry has gone through such a season, a lot of changes. You know, uh, they had yeah. a senior leader of 28 years who abruptly resigned and went through a few years of transition. And we, ha we have a great team of pastors at Bentry and, and then COVID and a lot of things happen. And so we're in a season of really reintroducing who we are to our community and, and yeah. being um, a, a church that's relevant to our culture and speaks to the needs around us and uh, our vision is to experience and share the love of Jesus and mm. um, so it's, it's a beautiful place to be uh, we're seeing you know one of the vision we have three vision initiatives which is to pursue our community transform our community and reflect our community mm -hmm. and so the the pursuit part is really a gospel proclamation of we want to bear witness of the gospel in our neighborhoods and our workplaces mm. transforming is really the demonstration of the gospel especially in terms of human trafficking hunger and homelessness Wow. to see the landscape of our community begin to change and then reflect our community, uh, I believe, is just the implication of the gospel that our church really mirrors the diversity ethnically, socioeconomically, mm. of what is in our community. Um, and so I think, you know, a couple years ago, we were probably, you know, 95 plus percent white and, mm. you know, maybe a, a few percent diverse. We just did a survey uh, a few weeks ago. We were already at 81% white and 19% diverse um, wow. with, with a lot of different makeups there. Mm. And so we really believe that God's forming us into a church that mirrors heaven on earth in mm. terms of who we are as a church. And so, so we're, we're in a beautiful season of transition in a lot of ways, not just in leadership, but in culture and worship style and yeah. uh, just who we are and who we're becoming. And in fact, we're doing a series through Ephesians of who is God calling us to be as a church. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's such an exciting time to be a part of Bentry. But I think for me, uh, shepherding has always been uh, a deep conviction that uh, sometimes we think pastors are like CEOs or leaders, or mm. and there's a part of that leadership is important. Uh, but if you look at especially like Ezekiel 34, how God gives really a job description of who pastors are, mm. it is to feed the flock, to protect the sheep, uh, to seek after the lost, to bind up the, the wounds of the broken, 
to to care for your flock and, and mm-hmm. God actually gives such an indictment um, the leaders of Israel Israel for not caring and shepherding the people that he entrusted them to so I've always just had a deep conviction that the heart of pastoring is shepherding it is relationships mm-hmm. and uh, I think if I'm not in a relationship with the people in my church then I I'm not really preaching well because I don't know what's relevant in their life and you know mm. when, when you preach it's 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 a two-way listening you're listening right. to God's word and you're listening to the people that he's called you to to lead mm. uh, I mean sometimes if, if we're just in our ivory towers and you know great sermons are created there but it may not be actually relevant to the people you're leading mm. um, and so so you've got to be connected to the heart of your people and have a pulse on where your congregation is and really teach and preach in a way that that causes them to grow and be encouraged and maturing and challenged at the same time for who they're becoming in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when you came in that, into that leadership position with uh, with Bentley, like you know, from a, uh, being a minor, from representing a minority community, I, I know that was, that was probably hard for you. But I was like, what were some of the challenges that actually you yeah. faced, and how 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 were you able to like lead? A multi-ethnic congregation from a minority standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say really the last 12 years, even before Bentry, has been in a predominantly you know non-Indian or non-minority environment. So it's mm-hmm. majority white. Um, Sugar Creek was about 55% white, and so there's more diversity there. Yeah, there's definitely challenges you run into uh, in terms of that. Uh, I mean, sometimes y- you you wonder if you can actually relate to your people. Like, I didn't right. grow up hunting or fishing or having a lot of discretionary in- income like most of the people in my congregation. And so it's like, man, how do I? How am I going to relate? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes people make assumptions about you, like, okay, because you're brown or you're Indian, this is the way that you you are. Mm. I, I remember several years ago at my last church, we were at a staff breakfast, and it, it was like, uh, I think like Mexican tacos were being, breakfast tacos were being served, right? And the sweet lady comes up to me and is like, wow, you look like you would really enjoy that. And so <laughs> I was like, I think she thought I was Latino or, or Hispanic, you know. It's so just assumptions. Yeah. I, you know, it's just a silly I example. Think, I, I think you can pass for that. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll pass for that, yeah. yeah. But people may have assumptions. E- even now, you know, people from our church will say, hey, my neighbor is Indian. And so could you come and, like, share the gospel or, uh. or come be friends? Like, well, well sure, I'd love to give you, uh, you know, some help. But you're the person God's placed you next to. So there's yeah, an assumption, yeah. well, <laughs> you're able to reach them more than I can. It's like, yeah. no, 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 God's <laughs> equipped you and empowered you to be there. Um, I think another challenge that minority leaders may feel like is this, you know, I felt that er- especially early on, like you have to be better than average, right? Mm. Especially in a, in a predominantly white or wow. another cultural environment. Like yes. I can't just be okay. I can't be I average, can you know? Yeah. Even I felt that even in my family, like my, my parents would say, if you're going to be in a you know white environment or some other cultural you got to get your highest degree of education and get a phd yes, right. you got to yeah. not okay. fail there's that I- immediately the intensifying of pressure mm. um, so you feel that sometimes um, so those are uh, some challenges you may face and i, I have this hasn't been the case for me but i've heard from other minority leaders uh, is sometimes churches may want your color but not your culture um, and so it's like, hey, we want to be diverse. We want to be seen as a diverse church. So we'll hire people because they're of a different color. Oof. But when your culture, your wow. convictions begin to come into leadership, and there's a sense of pushback. Well, no, that's not really us. Wait, wait, I, I thought I was part of us, right? And so some people may want color, but not your culture. And so you, you got to navigate those kind of things. So those are challenges that you may experience in a, in a, in a culture that's different than yours or in an environment that's different. Uh, but, man, you can overcome that. People really have um, I think your best interest in their heart and, and so and as we'll talk we'll, we'll talk more about how you overcome that uh, yeah. I imagine as well but yeah thank you for answering that but I, I still remember like while I was a kid like way back in the day when uh, 
Microsoft an announced a new CEO, Satya Nadella, who's actually a, bra- a, 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 a person from Indian origin, mm. and then followed by Google was the CEO, Sundar Pichai. And like we were able to see like people in the diverse community, like outside the church and the business community too. Mm. And actually that, that gave a lot of inspiration because all of these mm. people like were brought up in India, grew in, in India and they're the high precision. And then later on we see like people like Marianne George and all come up. It became a, such a big inspiration yeah. for people like us. Like, yes. all right, we can't, there is a representation. Okay, there is, there, there is something that can happen if I take that step of faith. So mm. how do you feel about that? Uh, how do you feel like, you know, especially with brown leaders or people from the, people from the Indian community, South Asian community more, when they step into arenas like that, where you're taking that step of faith, taking that uh, step into a highly diverse mm. background or a highly diverse culture, uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, th- I think it's awesome. It's such a great source of inspiration. And I, I hope and pray for a day where that's totally the norm. Yeah. Like, you don't have to yeah. think about, man, there's a brown pastor at a white church or whatever. No, it's yeah. just a norm. Because you don't say, well, there's a white pastor at a ex yeah. church. No, it's, you know, you don't <laughs> think about it yeah. that way. But sometimes we have, we feel like we have to classify, yeah. you know, okay, this is, this is brown or Indian. So no, this, <laughs> this is just a person who's called by God, equipped by God. And so hopefully that's, that's a norm one day. Yeah. But until we get there, uh, I mean, it's it's amazing to see leaders step into uncomfortable places mm. and, and really, you know, push the envelope and say, "Hey, God's called and equipped people." Uh, but you know, and that may not be the case for everybody. I mean, it, I mean, and I think it's important if if God's called you to the Indian church, man, be faithful there mm. and serve there. Like, like you know, sometimes you know, a multi-ethnic uh, some kind of church is not always like the best and better like god calls you into certain places to serve they like serve faithfully where you are be planted yes. where you are and so yes look for inspirations of how god can use you in in diverse environments but uh, but know that god's called you to be uh, in the uniqueness of where you are for a purpose as well i want to go back to what you were saying earlier about like us having to almost um like i don't, I don't want to say just say like work harder but we have this feeling that we have to almost prove ourselves Mm -hmm. or like and i can totally relate to that because i feel like i was in a lot of spaces where uh sometimes i did work hard to get to where i was but sometimes i had to talk a certain way or had to act Mm -hmm. a certain way for people to even see me or know that i'm known and maybe that can stem from like Mm -hmm. us also growing up in a south asian community a church where uh or our families where we had to perform in order Mm -hmm. to you know have some accolades or some kind of recognition and uh and I think especially in the church space, it can look almost like a little scary because mm-hmm. you want to stay true to who you are and know that this is who God called you to be, but you're also really afraid sometimes. Right. You know, you're in moments yeah. where like, you know, this person's way more smarter than me. This person probably knows the Bible better than me. This mm-hmm. person is probably a better worship leader than me. But then uh, the question of God calling your identity, you yeah. know, and yeah. I know that's a struggle for many yeah. people, but also like I want to ask you too, Pastor Wilson, like, how do you carry yourself with confidence? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to the identity piece, that is so critical. I think there's two things that have really helped me navigate any space I've been in. And one is, uh, the first is God has accepted me. Mm. And the second is God has called me. Mm. And so if I can live and lead and operate out of the place that God has already accepted, approved, mm. I don't need to perform, like I'm fully accepted by God mm-hmm. and I'm called, right? So right. that's the sense that God has embraced me and he is sending me. Like you've got to have that deep conviction of calling. And calling is both what you're called to and where you're called to. Yeah. Um, and and if, if, if you are leading without a sense of, man, this is what God has called me, you're going to be shaken. You, you're going to be uh insecure whatever it may be because you're not convinced of your own calling and so you gotta really 
uh, have a sense of this is my life's calling, and it is God who's called me to this. I mean, we're in a series in Ephesians right now, and Paul begins by saying, man, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by God's will. Like, it is God's will that has shaped me and formed me. Uh, Spurgeon used to say, it is a, lo- it is a laughing stock to have an unsent ambassador. Mm. Right. And, and so if you're a sent ambassador, that becomes your primary confidence, man. If God has accepted me and he's called me, um, I have no alter- other alternative. Yeah, this is not right. a preference among many other alternatives. This is my only wow. my calling. So it, it does begin with calling. Yeah. It does begin with a sense of if God has called me to this space, to this people, to this environment, and then I'm committed. And, and when you live out of that security, uh, you can now come out of your own head space of feeling like you're an outsider because now you're operating out of acceptance and calling. Mm. Um, and that is something that solidifies and anchors uh, your identity. Mm. A- and now it becomes, and that can lead securely. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not assuming the worst about people. I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually assume the best about people. Yeah. I'm going to believe in people. I'm going to learn from people. I'm going to be leading in confidence. And then for me, when I look at the scripture, it's amazing. When you look at the stories of Scripture from beginning to end, God actually called so many minorities into leadership. I mean, you think about Abraham. As soon as Abraham was called to leave home, he lived as a minority the rest of his life. That's right. Yeah. right? Uh, That's Moses was a minority in Pharaoh's house. Mm. Uh, Joseph was a minority ever since the pit. Like, uh, ever since he was thrown <laughs> into the pit, right. the rest of his life in Egypt, yeah. he was a minority. Uh, Ruth was a minority yes. coming from Moab, now living in Bethlehem. Mm. Esther, a minority in Persia. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, Hebrew boys, they were minorities in Babylon. Uh, and, th- and the list just goes on. Paul, he was a minority. He was a Jew called to the Gentiles. Imagine mm. how much of a minority he felt like being called to the Gentiles. Uh, in fact, David, he was a minority amongst Saul's army. Mm. Uh, if you look at the New Testament, until the 3rd century, the days of Constantine or fourth century really uh all of the christians were spiritual minorities they lived in a predominantly jewish or pagan environment right and until the days of constantine for three four hundred years they lived as minorities so god's word is replete with god choosing equipping using strengthening people from minority environments to lead change and to bring him glory Mm -hmm. um and so and so i think i think when you look at the scope of god's work it's sort of like, man, I boast all the more in my weakness, as Paul says in Second Corinthians, mm. because it is in my weakness that God's strength is made perfect. Oof. I think it's J.D. Greer uh, who said, if, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. Mm. Right? If dependence on God is the goal, then your weakness is actually your greatest advantage because mm. it makes you dependent. Uh, Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty strength. Because it's a bad day when you wake up feeling strong in your own self, mm. in your own ability, in your who you are, what you've done, your experience. No, no, you need to be waking up every day feeling like, man, I want to be only strong in the Lord and in his mighty strength. So uh, my confidence, my encouragement, to y- if you're leading as a minority, uh, actually wh- your experience as an ethnic minority will be incredibly helpful as you disciple people into living as spiritual minorities in the world. Mm. Because the truth is that wow. all of us, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your culture, we are spiritual minorities. Like we're living as foreigners in a strange and, and, and in a foreign, foreign land. land. Like yeah. we're all citizens of heaven yeah. living in a foreign land. So, so spiritually speaking, regardless <laughs> of whether you're ethnic minority or not, or majority or not, 
we're all spiritual minorities because we're living as exiles and we are discipling, leading our churches, discipling people mm. to live hope-filled, confident, God-centered lives as exiles, as foreigners, as spiritual minorities. <laughs> and so your experience as an ethnic minority is helpful as you disciple people to live as spiritual minorities mm -hmm. in a strange and foreign place because heaven is ultimately our home and right. our citizenship <laughs> is there, right? So, so, so I would encourage you with that. I mean, you can live confidently because God has all the way through scripture chosen people coming from minority environments who felt like you do and we mm -hmm. do sometimes. Yeah. But yet those are the people that God called because our weakness is actually an incredible advantage to yeah. be dependent on the strength of the Lord. Yeah, just to across that, like you know, the dependence on God. I think that's really important because uh, when God, when Jesus calls Peter, John, or James, or all the twelve disciples, you they're like the last twelve people you would actually want to lead a movement that's gonna go into two, two mm. millenniums after. Yeah, and but I think the reason why that we're still speaking about that is because their dependence of God mm. and how God honored that. And Peter knew, like, you know, he, 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 he was, uh, that's why Peter says uh, at, the, uh, at the temple, he says, you know, um, I do not have silver or gold, I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. The dependence that you have mm -hmm. with God is what enables you to say something like that. The dependence that you have with him, the, the relationship that you share with him, I think that's what encourages us or actually strengthens us to do the things as a minority mm -hmm. or even a mi majority or minority, either yeah. way, I think that dependence mm -hmm. is cr really crucial yeah. in order for us to Absolutely. do something or even make a change or even 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 do something, even the smallest change. I think that dependence mm -hmm. is really required. And the funny thing is, if you look at that statement by Peter, uh, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I think sometimes the church today, we say silver and gold, we do have. <laughs> <laughs> but what we don't have is in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. walk. Like yeah, we've got yeah. buildings, we've got yeah, experience, we have resources, right. we we've got everything. connections, influence, yeah. platforms, yep. and we maybe in some cases we've we've done the inverse of what Peter is saying. Mm. And, you know, so it is a life of dependence and trusting in the Spirit and letting God use you and, and letting that be your greatest confidence uh, mm. because He's accepted and He's He's called you. So yeah. we're off to a really great start in this first uh, first podcast. Yeah, and like. <laughs> Man, Pastor Lizard, you've already just encouraged me so much as a as my, me myself as a young leader. I think uh, he just gave like pastor. five mini sermons already. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Seriously. man, I'm a preacher. I can't get out of here. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. And I, uh, well, this goes back to what you were saying too. Um, even Jeremiah says it like when he was uh, during the Babylonian exile, right? He mm. says we need to become like the people. We need to wear their clothes. You know, we need to uh, go have conversations with them. You know, sometimes we separate like. Uh, we think that you know we have to be a completely different person in order to fit in with what 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 our surroundings are. But God right. says that you can still be who you're called to be mm -hmm. and still have relationships with people that you're you might not maybe didn't grow up the same way, right? Yeah. Like you were yeah. saying earlier, you never went hunting before, yeah. Yeah. right? You never you don't know what that looks like. You don't know what fishing. Probably now I don't know if you do it now, <laughs> but but the fact that you know you're learning how to navigate those spaces mm -hmm. and still being true to who you are is exactly what we want to encourage our community, right. the people that are listening, you know, is that you could still be true to who you are. Maybe you dress, the, you know, a little differently. That's okay. Based on mm -hmm. You don't have to wear uh, saris and, you know, that's mm -hmm. okay. That does not mean you're not still at South Asian. It just means that in, in your, in, inside of you, you're still proud of who you are. And I think in our nowadays, like everyone, it's either twofold, right? Some people are like really proud of their community and where their upbringing, where they came from. And some people are like, 
I, I want to completely neglect it and be someone else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so in order to navigate all of that takes, a, requires a lot of, like you were saying, knowing your calling and your identity, who God called you to yeah. be. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, I was just encouraged by yeah, that. Yeah. I have no follow-up questions. I was yeah. just, yeah. I was I think, really I think what you said is really true. Like, you know, where we were, actually, to be honest, I'm really proud of the upbringing that I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, and to be honest, like, even echoing what you said, you know, like, uh, I, I know friends who, who I grew up with where their parents said, you either be a doctor or you be an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the South Indian custom yeah. or the Indian custom where there's like, you have only two career choices in life. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that my dad did say like, okay, you do whatever you want. I'm I'm so happy that he said that. Yeah. And but uh, in a lot of cases, like you know, that kind of upbringing is not there. You know, where mm-hmm. that that that's like, okay, you don't have an option. It's just like more like you're structured. I don't know if you guys seen this movie, Three Idiots. It's yeah. like yeah. it's yeah. a Hindi movie. Yeah. The yeah. moment this kid is born, it's like you know, uh, uh, his name Farhan Qureshi, uh, civil engineer, VTech. So that's oh, kind I of <laughs> so that's his like I, yeah, his label. Just when yeah. the kid is born. So <laughs> and, uh, actually, that's true. That's true in a lot of cases where I personally know friends like that but I feel like but that has changed a lot with the generation coming up you mm-hmm. know opening up but still keeping the culture intact yeah, and yeah, moving yeah. it forward too yeah. you know and yeah. I think that's that's important too mm-hmm. what do you think about it like still thinking about the culture part like and yeah. retaining it yeah uh, you know I'm actually going to talk to our church about this tomorrow um, th- the goal is not to be color blind nor color driven right like God sees colors he, he created ethnicities and diversity and in fact uh all the way into eternity the, in the visions of revelation that john captures i mean there is uniqueness and color and language and triangle language so that's that's so we need to celebrate the distinctions mm, of right. our color and ethnicity mm. at the same time we're not to be color driven mm. uh, we are to be christ-centered and people driven so right. don't be color blind nor color driven mm. be christ-centered and people driven because mm. when you're centered on who jesus is you're going to be moving towards people Sometimes the temptation when it comes to dealing with diverse environments is, you know, do I do I fight against it or do I withdraw? Mm. You know, what neither of those are healthy options. No, Mm. you move toward people. Mm. You're driven by people, and that's Mm. ultimately regardless of where they're from and backgrounds. So we know their story, we know their upbringing, we know the uniqueness that they bring, Mm. and yet in Christ there's incredible unity. Mm. There's this one new humanity from Ephesians two, this third race, this unique race of people that God has formed for Himself. Um, and so, so don't try to be colorblind. Celebrate the distinctions and, and the differences in us. But those differences don't divide. They actually deepen and strengthen who that. we are as a body of Christ. Um, and yet you're not color-driven. It's not all about <laughs> race and ethnicity. It's, it is about who Christ is and what he has done mm. to bring Jew and Gentile into one humanity. And mm. that's the oneness that, um, that I think is a wonder to the world mm. um, that speaks to the wisdom of God. That is so good. That is so true. And I feel like, yeah. And the whole goal is to be focused on Christ. Jesus mm-hmm. is the center of it all, Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And not nothing else. You know, not people like you know. We, we our focus is Jesus. Our, mm-hmm. our our prime focus is Jesus. Our center focus. He's the nucleus, you know, and we surround him. So we mm-hmm. whatever we build, we build around him. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's important. Yeah. I just want to add that yeah. into. It's yeah. funny. My, my, I was so thankful that my dad as well when I told my dad about call to ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've seen a lot of people in my, especially you know, this was ten fifteen years ago. So many people I knew had an incredible call to vocational ministry, but mm-hmm. their parents really said no, and, and they had to acquiesce or give up that dream of ministry. Because yep. uh, usually it was the response is, no, go get a real job first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like when you're 30 or 40 and yeah. you have nothing to lose and you've yeah. already built a reputation yeah. as a doctor, <laughs> lawyer, engineer, um, then you can go pursue ministry. But I, yeah. I'm really thankful for 
my, my dad and mom who were supportive and all that. It's actually funny. My, my dad made a, a, a I think you might have been serious. Maybe it was a joke. He said, like, if you do ministry, then you still need to marry a doctor and get your doctorate. <laughs> uh, and then I just finished my doctorate <laughs> and, and I married a doctor. So I told That's dad, right. hey, dad, That's I did right. what you asked me to do. <laughs> like, am I off the hook now? <laughs> but it, uh, it, it, I think he was kidding. But, yeah. uh, but I am thankful for the blessing from my parents. And, mm. and if, if you're a parent, um, it's, it's funny. You want your Christian, you want your children to like know the Lord and, and go yeah. after God until they tell you, God, that I, I, I want to go to ministry, yeah. Mom. I want to do ministry. Then you're like, No, don't <laughs> run out. You know, no, don't be that crazy about God. It's right? funny because we grow up in church our whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like we do church. All we know is church. Like yeah. you know, and we're constantly surrounded. But the, the moment we turn 18, 19, or 20, we're like, Now we got to make a life decision of what we want to do. And we're like, a lot of people have grown up in church, like mm-hmm. you were saying. And we have this, like, compassion for people and a love for people. And then, yeah, <laughs> so our parents are like, okay, now be a doctor, be a civil engineer, do this, this, yeah. and that. And it's like, even in that sense, we're lost, too, because mm-hmm. we're running away from our calling that God called us. Yeah. And that's similar to my story, too, Pastor mm-hmm. Lubin, as you were sharing. Yeah, yeah. so, yes. And, and, you know, and sometimes in our South Asian community, we also think that only preaching or pastoring is ministry mm. and we kind of draw these clear lines between sacred and secular but mm. man, in God's kingdom there is no such line mm. like everyone is a minister uh, you take the sacred with you into the secular because you're a child of God everyone is a priest to God individual priests and other believers right mm. and so so as an engineer or doctor you can still do ministry you're still making a kingdom impact um, and but especially in the South Asian community we've elevated the role of like vocational ordained ministers as that's ministry and everything else is secular actually in, in god's perspective that's not true we need everyone in their unique gifts and callings to see themselves as empowered ministers of the gospel mm. wherever they are uh, and that's an important other that's the other side of it that we want to be mindful of right too. Yeah. and just to add on to that i think this is something i read very recently uh, in one of the books i was reading uh it said like this like when jesus goes to uh, go, uh goes to Galilee and then he calls uh Peter P- Peter James and John uh he says come follow me I'll make you fishers of men mm. so the the whole the the author was writing this like when Jesus when you follow Jesus it's not just like you follow it's not just come and follow me he says I'll make you fi- fishers of men the missionary calling the ministry calling comes when mm-hmm. you follow jesus yes. it's not like it's not an additional calling right. right it's not like an additional profession mm-hmm. but it's something that comes with it and i think that's really important because uh, i heard this from uh, long back you're either a mission field or you're a missionary mm-hmm. so it's either of those so wherever mm-hmm. you are i mean even in this creative spaces or church spaces or mm-hmm. even in the in the commerce field or in in any place wherever you are yeah. maybe you, you're traveling in a bus it yeah, might be like sure. I've had weird stances where I, I, I had to talk to people like, you know, uh, who, who saw who saw T-shirts like I was wearing. I was like, hey, you're, you're, you're a believer. So yeah. things like that. Like I think like being be, being having a missions call is actually a part of our identity being in yeah. Christ. It's it, it's not an additional one. I think yes. it, it, yes. it, it comes yeah. with it. And yeah. it's a package deal. Yeah. You, you yeah. can't change yeah. it. And, and, and when Jesus called the first disciples, he was laying out the very basic definition of a disciple. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, follow me and be fishers of men. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. you know, we've chatted before, like there's your call to Christ and sent to people. Like every single believer is both of those things, mm-hmm. called to Christ and sent to people. It's mm-hmm. not right. some are called to Christ and some are sent. Now every single believer, the basic definition of a disciple is your call to Christ and sent to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can, 
jump into that. And, and, and the whole idea of discipleship is fascinating, especially when you're looking at first century definition of what a disciple is, how they followed the rabbi. There was a whole saying of, you want to be so close to your rabbi that, that the dust of his sandals yeah. falls on you. Right. Yeah. That, that's the greatest honor. Yeah. Um, and so when you follow Jesus, and the dust of his sandals need to mm. fall on you. Right. Um, and that is, yeah. so you look at the mission of Jesus, that is your mission, that is your mm. calling for every disciple. But just to call off on that, uh, I want to ask you, like, how do you feel about, st- what's the difference between discipleship and stewardship, mm. and how does it work? Okay, discipleship and stewardship. I mean, I think, uh, un- unpack the question a little bit more. What do you mean by stewardship? Uh, like, uh, how does that differ? Like, how does, uh, how is, is discipleship stewardship the same thing? Because I think, I feel like most people confuse it uh, as the same thing, and then I, I think stewarding, being a good steward of the mm-hmm. talents that you're given, and it how how different is it from dis- discipleship, if it makes sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I think every disciple will steward his opportunities and time and talent and resources in a way that achieves the purpose of a disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wouldn't separate stewardship from discipleship. I would say you know, stewardship, evangelism, mission, all of that yeah. is an integral part mm. of, of a disciple. Right. Mm. Uh, because discipleship, ultimately, it's, it's the whole person being engaged in the calling yeah. and mission and purpose of God. Um, and so it's it's you stewarding everything about who you are for mm-hmm. the purposes of God, and, and so it has to be part and parcel of of growing into being a disciple of Jesus. Um, and sometimes we even you know we say, well, discipleship is here and evangelism is here. No, no, no. Mm. like it is one and the same. Like yeah, Jesus actually, you know, I think the followers of Jesus were best discipled when they lived as missionaries, right. when they lived mm. as uh, as evangelists, mm. right? And so. So one doesn't come before or after the other. No, they, they've got to be really joined together. Yeah, um, right. So, mm-hmm. right. yeah, it's almost like a mantle, follow, follow, like followed by uh, assignment. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like God's like, this is who you are, and now this is what you got to do. Yeah. Almost like it reminds me. I, I love that passage whenever uh, Jesus uh, meets Peter, and he and he says that phrase. He's like, uh, 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 you know, uh, do you love me, Peter? And he says, go f- go feed my sheep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, I love you, but then Jesus is like, okay, now go do what I called you to do, almost, right? And so it's like giving that assignment right. to that who you are as a disciple. And I, I think even like you're saying, being a good steward and all that is discovering how to even like please the Lord in that, you know? Because that makes the Lord please when you go, right, when you're his yeah. hands and feet and you do it really well. Right. And I love like what you're doing in your capacity as a church, Pastor Wooden, and, and I'm just sharing this as like a young leader. What are... And I let's 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 uh, say like stewardship, right? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you be a good steward of even being in places like staff meetings mm-hmm. and board meetings and these places like this that and I think this is great for our audience because no, yeah. I don't think no one's giving them the uh, practical uh, tools to lead because I remember when I had my first board meeting at because I'm also uh, a worship pastor at my local church. I was silent for the whole, mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be 90 minutes, but it was actually like four or five hours. <laughs> and I was silent. I just didn't have no clue how to insert myself. And I know different board spaces are different. Even different staff meetings are different. Different people are different. But I guess uh, as, as a lead pastor, um, what is mm-hmm. your approach? Yeah, I, I mean, meetings need to be productive. They need to be a good use of people's times. And I think when it comes to like the meeting environments you have, whether it be your leadership team or executive team or all staff or other ministry teams, like you got to really define on the front end, like what kind of meeting is this? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it a strategy Very meeting? Much. Is it a tactical meeting? Is mm. it a meeting where I'm giving information? Is it a meeting where I'm gathering information? 
is it a meeting when we're trying to make decisions? And sometimes like meetings become really unproductive because the leader doesn't know what kind of meeting this needs to be and the people don't know. And exactly. so, so you may go into it thinking this is a strategy meeting and it's all about, you know, you know, okay, let's, let's talk through tactics and people are frustrated. Mm. There's a great book, Death by Meeting uh, by Patrick Lencioni. And he really says, man, identify what kind of a meeting you have because that'll drive who's in that meeting. Mm. Like you don't need a, a high visionary person in a tactical meeting, mm. just like you don't need a super tactical person in a high visionary ideating meeting. Mm. So knowing what kind of a meeting will really drive, man, what are the people, who are the people, what kind of personalities do mm. you, and who leads that meeting? Mm. Most of the yeah. meetings I don't lead, even our executive yeah. meetings, our executive pastor leads, and I'll start it off, cast vision for it, but may, may he's going to be better at navigating the time and the agenda so that I can be fully free to engage in the meeting rather than looking at the clock. So you yeah. can hand over who makes the agenda and who runs the agenda and still be an integral part of the meeting, and it, it frees you up to be able to, to engage in the conversation of the meeting. So what kind of a meeting is it? Um, who needs to be in there and there is such a thing as too many people in a meeting right most most leadership books will say up to six people in a meeting is the healthiest to be have best dialogue and conversation if you go more than that yeah you know, we have about seven people including me but anything more than that man people are really not asking questions and pushing back they're just trying to make a quick you know statement to because they may not get time to do so mm. that's why you may feel like even in a long meeting um i gotta make a quick statement and otherwise i may not have an opportunity but if it's a smaller meeting and it's it's a it's a neat it's a meeting for dialogue and discussion and making decisions like six or seven is really the max of how many people really should be in a meeting okay, so that there's, there's healthy dialogue yeah. in a conversation um and you know on our team our executive team uh, we meet every monday afternoon uh and so we've really said hey our first monday of the week uh, oh, i'm sorry first monday of the month that's going to be our meeting when we're looking at what's most important and so we've identified mm. for two in the community as most important. So the main topic of that Monday is how are we doing with what we've said is the most important objective mm. of our church right now? Mm. Like, how are we trending? Where are we running into? Mm. Second That's Monday good. of the month is let's look at our dashboards. And so we're, we're focusing on, on the dashboard. So you can do some pre-work coming into the mm. meeting. And, you, and so we're looking at, okay, let's check out the dashboards. Where are our bottlenecks? What do we need to do to clear up? The third Monday of every month, our executive team looks at our, our parking lot items. Like sometimes you put stuff on the parking lot and you never get to it. Mm. So we call that the strategy meeting. So let's mm. identify one thing that's a strategy conversation that we're gonna jump into. Mm. And the fourth Monday is finance and other tactical things. Like let's look at our finances, let's look at other operational items. Mm. And so, so even, even having, okay, first Monday, here's what we're doing. For your team members to know that, that's helpful in what they prepare for and how they come into. Patrick Lencioni talks about like you don't want to watch a, um, a three-hour movie where half of it is you know like a sitcom and half of it is comedy and half of it is romantic and half of it is a thriller. Yeah. No, no, no <laughs> you want to go into a movie. And, hey, this is a thriller movie, and this is what I want. Like you want the Set whole medium. Yeah. Yeah, you want that whole movie to have a have tone. An yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have an agenda that really drives what what it what is achieved in that. So, um, so I think those are helpful. Um, we usually end our meetings with what do we decide and who needs to communicate what by when, and because sometimes you can have a great meeting and you walk away with what did we actually like decide <laughs> today? And what that has happened so yeah. many times. So actually designating <laughs> the last fifteen minutes of your meeting to just articulate and yeah. verbalize what do we decide? What next steps are there? Who needs yeah. to know by? Yeah. Who needs to know? You know, uh, by when? I think just those are helpful things uh, that can be a part of that. I think when you lead a ministry team, uh, we actually just, you know, again, Patrick Lindsay, he's just a great uh, leader and, and a thinker. 
we, we went through his book, The Advantage, that really talks about like the disciplines that every leadership team must have or an organization must have to really achieve mm. great results. Mm-hmm. And the building blocks, like the first discipline is how do you have a cohesive leadership team? Mm. Yeah. Um, and like, what does that team look like? What is the dynamics? Because that leadership team is going to determine so much of the direction of an organization yes. or a church. Right. Um, and so, so the building blocks are really, you know, how do you build trust? So, so we spend the first six months of our leadership team, how do we build trust with one another? You can't yeah. assume that trust is there. Yeah. So how do we now have vulnerable conversations? Mm. So building trust that will then lead to good conflict. Like in a South Asian mm. community, we're so averse to conflict. Yep. We, we try to avoid <laughs> it, but you need good conflict right. in a meeting to push back. That's where the best ideas are born. Mm. And so good conflict then leads to a higher level of commitment yeah. that then allows you to embrace uh, accountability, and now you can focus on results. And so just I think those things are helpful. What does the team dynamic looks li- look like? What kind of a meeting is this? Who needs to be there uh, in that meeting? And then really looking at how do we cultivate trust in an environment where you can create a positive conflict that leads to best decisions and results in, in that sense. So just a few things I think may be helpful as you lead meetings and lead right. staff. I think that's really good because I feel like we have too many meetings. Yeah. And sometimes I have meetings and I'm, I'm like, uh, I get in there. I was like, I really forgot. I, there's an agenda. I forgot to set the agenda and, or somebody else forgets it. I'm like, okay, what are we here for? So especially work calls or like, you know, our, our, our leadership meetings, like we have no idea what, what we are there. You know, we just set it up. We're like, okay, let's do a meeting, you know? And I think that culture has to change. Like like you said, setting up agenda, yeah. who has to be there, who needs to be here, who, ne- who needs not to be there. Yeah. And what are the actions? Like that's one of the, that's really crucial. What, what steps were taken? You know, what did we do after the meeting and wh- what are we gonna do? What is an action items? Like yeah. stuff like that. I think that's really solid and and I think like that's lacking in some of the communities and in the leadership communities that we are part of. And I think once we implement that, I think that's like really gonna be restructuring ourselves and being more productive. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people I think are just gonna be taking notes on just just this part that you just shared, Pastor Liberty, because no, I mean nobody, we don't get taught that. And yeah. and, and uh, I remember when I was my first time being a youth director, I had 15 people on the team yeah. <laughs> uh, in our meetings, and it was like not productive at all you know um and no like like you were saying like some people will be afraid to share ideas they're like Mm -hmm. oh maybe my idea is not good enough and then i wasn't able to build relationships um you know break that that wall of trust because i had i felt like i had to be respectful to every single person you know when i was not giving enough time to each individual i learned quickly over time and so now a lot of my teams are about four or five people now but even people who are watching who are like youth directors in their churches right now or worship leaders like how do i go about leading these meetings you know and how can i make it productive and you really you really just gave a lot of great insight on that and even thinking through like you can be everywhere like you want to be everywhere but you can't like that's like my personality is like i want to be in every meeting i want to be with every member Uh, and john maxwell he he said it like this you can have unconditional love but you don't have unconditional time (laughs) you know like you don't have a limitless time so you've got to really prioritize like so there's, you know, like like if you're a lead pastor or a CEO or whatever, like you probably need to be in the least amount of meetings so mm. that you can focus on what produces the greatest results that only you can do. Like really the whole leadership principle of like focus on what only you can do mm. and then build the entire week, your schedule around that. Like what is it that produces 80% of what only you can do? Because um, sometimes with propensity, we think, well, if, if I can just be in every meeting and every conversation, then that's what's most helpful. But yeah. actually... 
that may take you away and then now you become the lid to your organization yeah. like you've got the you got to move the power to say yes further down the organization mm. so you can really focus in on man w- where do you make the greatest impact and difference and how do you empower people to, right. to make decisions and mm-hmm. move the vision forward to where you don't have to be uh, involved in everything and so um, so so uh, the higher you go in the organization probably the less meetings you need to be having <laughs> so that you can do focus on what is it that only you can do that's so good that's so good oh man yeah this is like so <laughs> rasping through the, through the I, whole thing I, you know i'm, I'm just literally like, gonna go back and take notes man yeah, right? and i'm gonna read that book the one <laughs> yeah. you're mentioning too right yeah, uh, thank you for that and even i guess like even going with your meetings and stuff what does like a typical week look like for you because i mm-hmm. think sometimes like people who are in leadership and pastoral ministry sometimes struggle to know uh because sometimes the reason we do a lot of meetings because we feel like you know we don't have enough things on our yeah. on our weekly schedule but maybe you can kind of help like shepherding is is really important um you know uh pre- sermon prepping mm-hmm. that's that's really big yeah. Yeah. and giving importance to that because that's what god called you to steward as well yeah um and so what is there any other things throughout the week that you yeah so you know let's say monday morning i do all my one-on-ones with my mm-hmm. three direct reports monday morning um what you realize in an organization is the greatest impact you can have is in your one-on-one meetings with your direct reports or those that report to you. Meetings are great, but it's really the one-on-ones where you begin to really develop leaders, give feedback, set goals. And so so uh, we, we use a, a tool called Leader, L-E-A-D-R, and, and that helps capture like goals we're setting and developments we're doing and agendas and feedback loops and 360 reviews and all that. So Monday mornings is usually one-on-one meetings, and Monday afternoons is our executive meetings. Usually that, that takes up the majority of the afternoon. Um, and so, I, and usually I'll do a, a lunch with a staff member or church family uh, on, on those Mondays as well. I'll meet with my admin in the morning on, on Mondays, just looking at the week and, and those mm. kind of things. Tuesdays I really dedicate full day uh, to sermon prep. Mm. So my sermon prep, I, I really need two full days to really you know get ahead on the sermon. So it's usually all day Tuesday and then Wednesday morning and Thursday morning mm. as well. Mm. Um, and so now on the in the last half of the day, uh, I'll open it up for church members who want to have coffee or meet. And so usually from you know after four o'clock, I'm available to to counsel to meet those kind of things. But uh, you got to also identify what is your like hours of deep work. Like for me, wh- when can you throughout the day get the best? work done mm. for me that's the morning so I, I usually get the best writing in the morning mm. the best thinking in the morning and and then save the other stuff for when i'm maybe not as productive um karen Ruff has a great book i think it's called uh, i think it's called deep work or something but it's, it's, it's the great thing about managing knowing the cycles when you're most productive and actually organizing your meetings around that if you're able to mm. and so all day tuesday it's it's sermon prep towards the end of the day I'll, I'll have some time for coffee or meeting with church families wednesday morning sermon prep we have elder meetings 6 a.m on wednesdays um as well so that'll happen super early in the morning and then then i jump into writing afterwards mm. um and then wednesday afternoon thursday afternoons i keep open for meetings and mm. uh, whether we with staff or church members uh friday i always take off friday um just to kind of uh, you, you got to put sabbath and rest mm-hmm. as part of your rhythm yeah. and pattern yep yeah. Um, that's so important for leaders, and we forget that. We, we think we're yeah. invisible. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 re- I wrote this down recently on, uh, when I was reading something. Uh, it said, uh, I, was, I think this is what I wrote down, but it came off of something that someone said uh, that uh, habits are more important than hopes and patterns are more important than personality. Wow. Like we think just because we have a great hopes or a great 
personality that's no no no. habits are more important than hopes and patterns Mm -hmm. are better than even personality so think about your habits and your patterns that really will determine who you're going to be as a as a leader Mm. then saturday i I mean i'm with our family saturday during the day and then pretty much you know three or four o'clock in the afternoon i'm you know kind of shutting down and getting ready for sunday as well Mm. so so i'm still trying to get some time back on saturday but uh, you know uh, so uh, if you're communicating every week i would encourage you to at least have you know if you can 16 to 20 hours of sermon prep every week um, because that's going to be what produces the greatest impact in your church it's, it's how much you devote to sermon prep sometimes i take even more than that based mm. on what the topic is but yeah. uh, but at least a good 18 to 20 hours is needed to really think through what god's given you some people will say well i'm you know i, I need i got the holy spirit i, <laughs> I don't know but you're also <laughs> living in the flesh and you got to really think about how do you use language mm. to best communicate mm. what god is saying through you mm. And steward that moment well because it's amazing you get mm. 30 to 40 minutes or however long you preach that's the only time you get in front of your people and that's so important that's got to set the pace for the rest of the six or seven days of that week um, to really help cultivate and cast vision for who mm. they are in Christ and who they're becoming according to the mission of God in the world and so so that time like don't give up that moment to really pray and prepare and um, and really steward that moment well uh, that is a part of a huge part of your calling yeah and, and it's crazy like when you mentioned like for a four 40 minute sermon you're actually preparing for 16 to 20 hours yeah, yeah. i feel like i'm like i'm like okay that's yeah. a, i mean I, I really wish if i had my notepad here <laughs> i was like that's the kind of stuff i want to take notes too yeah but i think and what you said is i really love that because that 40 minutes is crucial for the members of the congregation or anyone mm-hmm. who comes into that church for the next six days yeah mm-hmm. and and the amount of effort that you know you as a pastor takes into that for for that 40 minutes I, yeah. I think that's exceptional mm-hmm. exactly. that's really crazy to put that much amount of time to sit and in the presence of the lord just to focus on you know in the secret place in, in his presence and just like you know ask him what he wants what what he wants to speak through you to the congregation mm. for that 40 minutes and i think that's defining yeah. you know mm. and i think that's like you know that's that's a great example mm-hmm. and that and especially when you're talking to a diverse audience and you got people from different and i mean it's it may be a little bit easier if your whole congregation is homogenous whether it's an all indian church or all hispanic church then you know maybe a little bit more of like okay, everyone's going to receive the same information mm. but if but if there's political diversity ethnic diversity a socioeconomic diversity mm. and demo- the demographic looks different then you really think it's a man like how can i say this in a way that most people can absorb this and understand mm. this like yeah. even when it comes to delivery and illustration mm. and examples like you want it to be digestible by your people yeah. and sometimes like uh, we poor choice of words can be so distracting and it can be offensive and you don't want to yeah. you've got such a powerful gospel to yeah. preach like don't let yeah. your lack of preparation get in the way of it being uh, understood and, and and applied in a powerful way mm. so yeah, I think like that's so awesome that you you put that out there because I think some pastors are afraid to admit admit the fact that they need to take more time in their sermons because right. everything else occupies their time, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, I'll neglect my Sunday morning sermon, but I'll go, you know, do something else because this is what the congregation calls me. But that's just as important, mm-hmm. you know, right. to because that's also in a form of shepherding too. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're giving the message of the what the church believes and what the church is moving forward with, you know? And mm. so that it requires a lot. And I thank you for sharing that with me too, yeah. because I'll be honest, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if I'm given an assignment, like I'm, I'm worrying about what I have to do with like everything else. And then I just need to be better about being like, this is the assignment that God has given me this week. So what I actually started doing is I even try to start 
Luckily, I don't have to preach as much as you do. <laughs> so I'll at least start like a month or something before because I know, what, like you were saying, sometimes like the enemy has other plans to distract you. There's other things that are going on. And to prioritize that is so very, very important. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that is very important for all the young pastors and leaders out there. Yeah. yeah. And the cool thing about, y- you know, how I do sermon prep now, it, it can be a community process. And mm-hmm. so we have a teaching collaboration meeting. So on the front end of the week, like uh, at the end of the day, Tuesday, after I've had the chance to kind of work on what I'm teaching that weekend, I'll go to our teaching collaboration meeting, which is just amazing staff members on our team who mm-hmm. are also great pastors and teachers. Like, here's what I'm thinking about, and here's the passage we're looking at. Like, let's ha- so what we do is we actually have a Bible study together for oh an hour around so cool. the text, right? And so, so that way, it's just not me and my isolated mind and the text. It's like, let's think of this as a community. How could we say this better? What do you see in this text that I'm not seeing? Yeah. And so, man, that's actually a that fruitful time. And then, I, c- then I go into Wednesday, Thursday, having heard from a group of eight people or so about the text. Okay, okay well, now I can, you know, you know, be more productive in my writing. Mm. I mean, I, and I write, write out word for word, man, everything, you know, and I don't take notes, you know, a script with me, but I'll write it out word for mm. word. Mm. And even at the end of the week, I'll send it out to a few of our pastors. Hey, here's my script. Could you look yeah. over this? Uh, yeah. c- is there something I could say? I mean, there's a, there's a sense of humility where mm. like, I'm not Moses going to the mountaintop and getting a word and like, you know, I'm not this final. No, I know I'm a human being. And God has equipped our church with amazing believers and members and leaders mm. that I can gather their wisdom and their uh, gifting yeah. so that the sermon really, uh, and it, it's a beautiful thing. I feel so much more confident preaching a sermon on Sunday, knowing that it's it's already been seen by incredible leaders in our church yeah. or s- leaders on our staff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so don't don't feel like you have to do it alone. Get a team around you to help you even in the preparation process. Wow, that's that's really mm. cool. I, I don't think like a lot of people actually do that. I think mm. you know, mm. and I feel like when multiple people come in, I think there's a varying perspective also that comes mm-hmm. in. That you know, like when we sit, like maybe I don't see something, but Ruben sees something yeah. different out of the box. So I think that that actually helps him too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It makes the the content more rich too. Exactly. Like it. It's e- like you were saying, everyone's ideas coming together. I do that with my wife all the time. Mm-hmm. Like right the moment I'm done, like preparing my sermon, I'm like, can we debrief this? Can we talk about this? I want to see mm-hmm. your perspective. What is? What do you think about this story? And actually, like half the time, she has way better insight yeah. than I do. <laughs> <you know? laughs> my sermon's <laughs> always better if Stacey has a chance <laughs> yeah. to see it first. It always is, man. There we go. Now so we know who <laughs> who the ghostwriter is. She's the ghostwriter. Um, Pastor Levin, so I mean, this is some great stuff, man. Like, you mm. really gave a lot of insight. Like, yeah. how would you, uh, I mean, there's so much more we can talk about, but just encouraging a lot of like leaders, pastors out there. Mm. Uh, what is maybe one thing you, you would love to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I think if you're jumping into a leadership role in a church that's multi ethnic or diverse or wherever it may be, even in a you know, homogenous church, like, always began with the who and the why. Like, who called you mm. and why did he call you? Uh, who has God called you to and, and, and why has he placed you where you are? Mm. Uh, because the what can be different and what the what can change, but really beginning with the who and the why. Like even when I came to Venture, somebody encouraged me, really think about the, is this the people that God is calling me to mm. like in the season? Not mm. just what kind of church is this or what, is, what would this look like? No, is this the people, the community that God is calling me to? So really beginning with the, with the who and the why. And then, like, learn from everybody. Like, I remember when I was, uh, so when I first started in my last church, I was an intern, part-time, 
in the missions office. Like I had the longest title. I was like a multicultural missions associate intern, whatever. <laughs> Super long. But man, I, I wanted to learn from everybody. I was like, hey, you've been a pastor for 10 years. Can, so I, I would take at least a couple of times a week. I would take somebody yeah. to lunch. Yeah. So teach me, what did you learn? And yeah. even now as a lead pastor, when we've got, so I always meet with our brand new employees, our staff members, and I want to learn from them. Like, hey, I want to learn from you, like your journey. And even uh, what you can, you can actually contribute some of your greatest contributions to our church in the first 30 to 90 days because you're fresh into this right. mm. uh, on our staff. Right? So I want to learn from anybody and everybody I can. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so learn from people, man. Um, sometimes, you know, there's a school of thought, a focus on your strengths or uh, strengthen your areas of weakness. So which one is it? I, I think it's got to be both like, yes, focus on your strength, but your strengths can also become liability. Um, and so and so when, when I was in Houston, my lead pastor there, he would challenge me to like grow in my areas of weakness. Mm. Um, and that was uncomfortable yeah, um, because I, I love to preach. I love to cast vision and I was yeah. not a great administrator, not in the details. So he would throw me into the mess of details. Mm. He, he told me to go write a, a mm. manual on how a campus I was running, how every single thing from which button you press to turn <laughs> the mic on to where the janitor's closet is to how you set up the, we were portable at that time. I was like, this drove me crazy, but it, it, it made me appreciate our team members who are doing that every week. Yeah. Uh, and it, it grew me in areas of weakness to yeah. where I, mean, I could step wow. in and, and serve in a, in a capacity where maybe with that, yeah. where that team member so wasn't able to. And that actually just made me a better leader. Um, and so I, I would just s say those kind of things. And really, as a leader, establish the patterns and habits that will make you become the leader you want to be. Mm. Um, and so I think Craig Rochelle talked about, you know, write an I am statement. Like, what is the future version like of your I am? Like, but write that in the mm. present tense now. And then think through now what patterns and habits really allow me to live that vision of who God's calling me to be. Mm. And so just, you know, start with your who, start with your why put patterns and habits in place that help you become the leader you want to be. Mm. And, you know, soul care is so important. Sometimes yes. productivity can become an idol yes. and yeah. it can get yeah. the best of us. Yeah. No, who you are matters far more than what you do. Um, and you can't do what you do apart from who you are. Um, and so really pay attention to your own soul, like spiritual rhythm. Sometimes mm. we think because we're church leaders, we don't have to follow the same spiritual rhythms that we encourage our members yeah. to do. <laughs> so that so is a true. lie from the enemy. <laughs> uh, you, you know, Jesus kept getting away. <laughs> he kept slipping away for prayer. Uh, he used scripture. So just in terms of like what your Sabbath, your fasting, uh, whatever that is for you, uh, how do you connect and rest with the Lord? Um, if you really trust in God, then you will rest. You mm -hmm. know, trust and rest has to go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and so just don't let productivity become an idol. Yeah. Um, and so just I, I would encourage people with that. Yeah. Amen. That was wow. so good. Yeah. Spot on. And uh, yeah, we want next one. What we're going to ask you is like, uh, how can we pray for you and how can we pray for uh, Ventry? Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I think Ventry is going through, like I said, really a, a lot of change and transitions right now. Like, who are we? You know, even our demographic has changed. So really just pray for just an amazing sense of unity around that. Yeah. And there's so many opportunities in the culture and the world out there today that can really just unite or yeah. divide people. And, and mm -hmm. we want to just stay, stay as a, as a united church. And we're seeing a ton of new people coming in through our doors as well. So really, yeah. you know, how do we assimilate? How do we in, in assimilate meaning into the life of the church? Um, how do we disciple people well in and through that? Um, yeah. And so we're, we're thinking through those kind of things. Um, and so, yeah, just praying for, uh, 
we have our first like batch of uh, leadership or, or I'm sorry uh, ordination cohort coming to an end. So really wanted to elevate the level of leadership in our church by actually putting people through a journey of intentional uh, discipleship and ministry training for people who want to be ordained. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just those kind of things are happening. And I think it's a season of really defining who are we as a church, who has yeah. God called us to be. Um, and we've got a, a big youth weekend coming up in two weeks with, with you know all of our high school and middle school students. So just mm-hmm. praying for me and our students are going through all kinds of stuff in, in the world today. And we just really want to help bring attention to who they are in Christ, their identity, what yeah. God has defined as truth for them. Yeah. And so just, you know, inviting people into to live and, and serve in, in the fullness of who Jesus mm. has called them to be and set them apart for. And so we can be praying for that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll be praying for that as well. Yeah, we got you ca- covered, Pastor Daniel. Yeah, and yeah. thank you so I'm much. Like I said, well. yeah. Yeah, as I said earlier, you're an example to so many people. And, uh, you know, uh, we both look up to you and what you're doing and just all the resources and all the insight that you have given to people. Um, Matthew said this in the last podcast, but we don't know if there's going to be a kid one day who's going to be like, uh, we, I heard this podcast and encouraged me to like do something great in in Mm. my, in my city, in my community and stuff. And I want to encourage people, like if you're in town, like uh, get connected with Pastor Libin, like I said before. He uh, might be preaching to a crowd of 2,000 or plus, he, but he is the most intentional person you'll ever meet. Right. He's willing to uh, meet with you uh, on your Instagram. Or even if you guys are in town in Dallas, uh, in Carrollton, go check out the church, uh, Bentry. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wanted to say anything, Matthew? Yeah, no, I just want to thank you for your time. I know you have a busy schedule and you have a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on. We, we just heard what you do all throughout <laughs> a week and yeah, you stuck a podcast yeah in you just stuck a podcast <laughs> event i mean like i don't know how you do that man but that yeah. was like that was, really, very that was really nice yeah thank mm. you so much thank yeah. you for all the words of wisdom that you spoke thank you for whatever you all, all the things that you're doing you know yeah. in our community and also uh in in bentry and yeah. how you are being an inspiration for all of us you know yeah to start something to thank step you. into the war uncharted waters to step into ways that where god is calling us yeah. so and yeah, I think you know, and uh, definitely, I, I I know for one, I am going to go back and listen to the yeah, the no, meeting thing, like the meeting the pointers. <laughs> I definitely want that. <laughs> but yeah, thank yeah, you so much. You know, one of the things that's been so good for Stacey and I is we moved into a new church, new city. Like we got immediately plugged into a life group. Uh, so yeah. we meet Friday nights. We every other Friday night we have a life group meeting, and and that's a chance for me not to be a pastor or a mm. leader. I get to just be living, and yeah. I get to be a husband, and Stacey gets to be you know Stacey, and yeah. and so not a pastor's wife, and. And so it's that community aspect is so critical because mm-hmm. sometimes, y- you know, you can believe really that your role is your identity and those are mm-hmm. two separate things. Mm-hmm. You need a safe place right. uh, to really be you and, and to struggle and to ask questions and be encouraged. And, um, and so every person needs a community to belong to. And you don't want to lead in isolation. You want to lead with real relationships and people mm-hmm. that uh, you can be vulnerable and honest with. And that's been a, a great blessing to my family and I just to – be plugged in a small group and and, right. uh, and that's a weekly meeting and and just has a rhythm of mm. you know just discipleship mm. and because we want to be better as, as spouses and yeah. as yeah. disciples yeah. and grow yeah. and so make sure you're in a community even as you as a as a senior leader or whatever leadership role you possess like you you can't underestimate the power mm. of community and accountability and, and mm. those kind of things now is that community group at with your church as well yeah that one is actually mm-hmm. okay yeah, this one yeah. is. And, I, and I've got, you know, networks I'm a part of and, mm-hmm. you know, other groups of friends that I'm a part of outside of the church. So mm-hmm. if I needed to process something yeah. with somebody, it's, it's good to have that. But we also felt like 
man, we want our church to also be a community. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, you know, just want to lead our church. We want to be fully involved in the life of our church. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it's it's good for uh, people to know that, mm-hmm. and even for people in my small group to, to see me just as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, th- our, our normal life group that we go to is, is part of entry. That's cool. Yeah, I love love all the insight yeah. and everything. I think we can just have like three, four part series of Pastor yeah, <laughs> Levin uh, speaking. Man, yeah, yeah, I think we should block a Saturday. I know, I like know. a whole Saturday, Saturday for this. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Thank I, you. I pray that it blesses you wherever you yeah, are and uh, whatever capacity God's leading you. And man, you guys keep doing this. You're paving a way. Thank you. Thank appreciate it. Powerfully for people to enter into leadership and yep. calling and what an encouragement you guys are. So Thank I'm you. honored to be a part of the conversation today. Yeah, honored mm-hmm. to have you here. Like, like I said, it's a great pr- privilege. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, like I said earlier, this is our first podcast, uh, video podcast that we ever had, and we got to cement it in history with Pastor Livin. <laughs> 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 so uh, continue yeah. to uh, tune in with, with what, we're going, what we have going on in the future, and we pray that this is a blessing to all of you that are watching. Once again, get connected with Bentry and all the great things that are happening at the church and Pastor Livin. We'll see you guys next time on our next yeah. episode. Thank you so much for listening. See you all. See y'all. What's up, man? Bro. <laughs>